I love the lag in his audio because it sounds like he's super drunk. Yeah, no, it just makes you sound completely wasted. All right, so I need to apologize to the listeners. I am in Arizona. We're literally in the middle of the desert. Internet connectivity out here is not fantastic. So I'm trying to trying to do this show. We I had pretty good success with Lair Chat. Nobody seemed to complain about anything on Lair Chat, but seems to be giving us trouble to, to Well, they're much nicer than we are. Yeah, they're Canadian, you know, that's that's how those Canadians work. You're listening to PHP Ugly episode 57, recorded Thursday, April 13th, 2017. On this episode, we discuss ZSH, a Bash Shell replacement, Franz, an all-in-one chat client, our new subreddit, and much more. Let's get started. So, Thomas and John, how are you guys doing this week? Pretty good. good. That was a a very different intro. Do you realize... That Heinz, the, the, the creators of Heinz Ketchup, which is, in my book, the only ketchup really worth putting on any sort of burger. Heinz Ketchup, they were founded in 18, can you guess when? 1869. They were, they, were, they were founded in 1869, and on every one of their products, they put the slogan, 57 Variations. 57 variations on all their products. That's their slogan. You want to hear a fun fact about that? They aren't really 57. They've always <laughs> had more than 57. It yeah. was just 57 was like this magical number. The owner said, that's a good marketing number. I'm going to use that. And that is great because this is episode 57 to PHP Ugly. Thank you. And good night. <laughs> it's getting worse and worse every episode. <laughs> Yeah, see, I actually studied for a dumb baseball question, and I was I was all ready for number 57 to come up. Did you come up with any good 57 baseball questions? Uh, I wouldn't call them good. Well, we already know the answer, so we'll just move on. How's everybody doing this week? <laughs> doing good. I'm beat. You're beat. Why is I'm that? Beat. Well, it's been a long week. Yeah? Yeah. Work or personal or do we want to talk about it here? You're in a safe nah. place. Nah. It's just been a long week. <laughs> I feel been good. Good. How about you, Aaron? Uh, pretty much the same way. It's been a long week. I, I'm out here in Arizona again. I my, um, my, got a upsetting phone call. You know, my mother ended up taking a little bit of a spill and ended up being in the ER, so I I had to drive out to Arizona. I've been out here. Um, so that's been fun, running between ho- taking care of my dad, who, who needs a lot of attention, running to the hospital and checking up on my mother, and uh, trying to get some work done in between. has been been fun. <laughs> Doesn't sound but, like fun. That's yeah. the wrong, <laughs> wrong way to describe it. Yeah, yeah. Trying to stay positive, though. What about you, John? Doing yeah. anything? Doing anything interesting? Uh, well, we had our meetup last night, SDPHP oh, yeah. meetup. How'd that go? And it went well. It was a, it was a really good turnout. The topic was on TDD. Uh, it was more of an overview on TDD, and what he did was go into the various types of testing and when to use it, how to use it. What I really wanted to see was more examples. So from this top, from this presentation last night next month is going to be tdd by example uh he was really i brought it up then mark was really excited about seeing that and seemed like a lot of other people were too so it'll be a good a good presentation next month i hope and you you really started to embrace that tdd approach to development haven't you well i mean i've i've been doing it on and off for what seven years now uh back when i was at bowlingball.com i really i got into it and really enjoyed it and then when i switched uh 
the code base I was working on had no tests already, and it was a massive code base. Actually, I was working in two code bases at the new place. One was PHP 4, even harder to, to do TDD in. Uh, but yeah, in the past, I would say, couple of months, I've picked that back up and actually have other people writing tests in that code base now. So highly recommend it. I, I enjoy it. It definitely makes me feel more comfortable with the, the code I'm releasing. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, John, John, Tom, if you don't want to tell us anything you're working on, I guess we can kind of... I didn't say that. What are you working on then? Jeez. Well, as you know, I'm editing the podcast now, so that, that takes you up are. a good chunk of my weekend. I, um, I do appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working on uh, finishing touches for a lot of the stuff I've talked about over the last week, um, or the last couple weeks. Uh, I got a new uh, terminal. Uh, I'm using Z Shell oh, now. Are- are you using that Oh My ZSH? No, I'm using Z Shell with the Zim plugin. Okay, so if you're getting into that, you need to look into the Oh My ZSH. That's what I use. Everybody's always complimenting me. And I, I'd been a Bash guy for a while, and I, I'd really started to trick out my command line on the Bash. Um, I even started putting up some Jess for it. And I was liking about how I was able to monitor what Git branch I was on from the command line, um, things like that. And then I stumbled across, oh, my ZSH, which changes your default bash from our default shell from bash to ZSH. But it has all these plugins. Uh, it, it, it does give you some very cool themes and very nice uh, variations of your command line that you can put in. And like everything I was doing in Bash, it, it had out of the box. But what its real power is, is it has this plugin feature that you can add to it. And <clears throat> most of it, most of it's like shortcuts. Like all your git commands ends up, they end up with these aliases. So like, you know, I can do GCO for git commit instead of, instead of typing out git commit dash m i just do gco and then type in my comment a lot of that you can do yourself but it also has um plugins that so for example the the one i use the most is called warp drive where when i'm in a directory especially if it's a directory i visit a lot i can do wd space add space and give it a name so like repos and then no matter where I'm at on the command line, if I just type in WD space repos, it CD, CDs me to my repos directory. Uh, it's called Warp Drive. Fantastic bl- plugin for uh, ZSH. Another one that you use a lot is called Z, and I don't know what Z stands for. It's kind of like Warp Drive, where if you type in Z space and then start typing in... Um, portion of the of the directory it kind of auto-completes and tries to figure out or it doesn't auto-complete it figures out you can, you can hit tab and then it will try to auto-complete it tries to figure out what directory you're trying to go to so if i just uh, did z space rep tab it would try to figure out the path to repos based on the history of the directories i've been in um but you have to have visited that that directory for Z to be aware of it. So it doesn't exactly work as Warp Drive works where you can define it. Z just kind of tries to figure out based on your history where you're trying to go. And it, it works, especially like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll clone a new project that I don't, I'm not necessarily going to be working a lot, but I want to go back to that directory every now and then. So I'll just do Z space and start to name the project and then it takes me there. So check it out. If, if check out Oh My ZSH. It's a great project. Some really good plugins. I highly recommend it. Yeah, I I'm really li- liking what I've got so far in in Z Shell. I've got auto complete for commands, uh, syntax highlighting for commands. So it it knows all the basic commands, and if you type something in wrong, it shows up red 
instead of green. Um, Git integration for showing me which branch I'm on and stuff like that. I, I, it's pretty slick. Um, I'll have to check out Oh My God Z thing. Oh my ZSH. Oh my ZSH. <laughs> Glad you're paying attention. That's good. To, to but the autocomplete's pretty cool because it, it can autocomplete all of the Git commands as well. So you can type G-I-T space and then C-O-M and then tab and it'll fill out commit. Well, Git does, do that. That, does that by yeah. default. You just typically nope. have to install. No. Yeah, you can install the bash, bash autocomplete for it. Right. Yeah. It but it does fine. that for everything else as well. It does it for grep and for a lot of other commands. It does syntax highlighting for things like uh, sed, which is really nice. So no, I, I'm really digging it, and uh, it looks pretty as hell, too. Cool. Yeah, as uh, somebody who spends a lot of time on the command line, you really grow an appreciation for... Having that dialed in just right. So Must be a loser continue. when it comes to the shell. I, I just like it basic. It works. I can get around. Yeah, you're yeah, kind of a clean person. It's a, it's a nerd yeah. <laughs> Bastards. Why do I put up with this? I'm leaving. So we did, um, <laughs> we had our Lyra Chat Live podcast today as well. And, uh, we had a. Did either one of you guys bother to listen? No, no, you didn't. <sighs> no. Why do I try? So we had one of our uh, Laravel San Diego Laravel members on the Laravel Chat Live podcast, which was fun. It was the one you guys were making fun of me about getting all giddy about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Tony Lee, who. Like I said, we discovered runs Dev Dojo has this great open source project called uh, Voyager. Uh, I told the guys we it, it's funny had... that you got you got all giddy about him. It's funny you got all giddy about him, and then well, I met him, so now I got to give him more money and re and resubscribed. I did resubscribe, didn't I? <laughs> you did. <laughs> well, because then I realized who he was, and I was supporting a local developer. It just felt a little different, so. You got a problem with it? I don't think you do. I do not. But uh, we had him on Lair Chat Live. He's a great guy. Um, I think he's going he's gonna to make an effort on being on a few more shows. But uh, it's good. It was just good to have that, that, that synergy with a, a local user group member and realizing who he is and... And getting more involved, so that was it. Was a great show. If you guys, uh, if you guys happen to listen to podcasts, uh, I would recommend listening to that one. Nice little self promotion. I like. I only it. listen to one. So I do. You only listen to one now because you have to. I, I still get a lot of pleasure out of this. You don't understand how good it makes me feel. All right, so a friend of the show. I only say that because Thomas says that all the time. I, I actually, this guy actually listens to the show, but our Australian buddy from uh, North Meet South and Laravel News podcast, Michael Dorinda, um, messaged me. I'm glad you me. got his name right. I, I've said it a lot, so I feel pretty confident with it now. Michael Dorinda. I, I have to, I have, I have to put that extra uh, at the end just to make sure I say it correctly. But. Um, we're always talking about new messaging clients, and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. About we were reminiscing on old messaging clients of those unified messengers, and we talked about uh, Trillion oh, and yes. Aim yes. or Game and all those. And I'm like, man, it would be great to have a Trillion client for today's messaging clients. Damn if this guy doesn't end up providing one. He's like, hey, did you see this? And he sent me a link to this uh, client called. Franz, F-R-A-N-Z, Franz. And what I suspect is happening is that it's an Electron app that's a wrapper where each service is its own web browser. And so it, it gives you an interface to things like Slack, Skype, uh, Google Hangouts, um, even inboxes like Gmail, 
all in this one interface. And I, I got to say, it actually doesn't suck. Um, it, it was funny because I was like trying to figure out what it was doing at first. It wasn't very clear to me because I was adding services, but I wasn't logging into anything. And then I realized I had to go to that, that tab of that service to log in. And when you logged in, it was the web interface to that service. So there is still like that limitation of using the application through the web interface. So it's like Slack has a web interface. It's the same principle. But it's nice to have all those messaging clients in one location. So I, I was able to have my Telegram, Slack, a Google inbox, Hangouts, um, everything in one confined window. And then obviously through the Electron, I, I'm assuming it's Electron. I, I don't know for sure. I didn't, didn't look at it. But it has that feel of, of an Electron app. It, it manages things like notifications. So you don't get all these awkward notifications like a Slack notification, then you know, a Google Hangout notification. It's it's a unified looking notification window being delivered to you through this overall overarching application that all these other services are running in. So, so do it, you like enough you think you're gonna continue using it? I don't know. Cause I'm i I'm such a sucker for like native apps. And and this is the same issue I had when back in the day when I was using Trillion. You know, there were things that you could do in the native app that you couldn't do in Trillion. Um, mm -hmm. Like in Yahoo Messaging, you used to be able to buzz people, but that wouldn't work in Trillion. Like if somebody tried to buzz you, it wouldn't work. So it, it was nice on the laptop because I could switch over to my uh, friends window and have all my messaging right there. And with the laptop, when, when I have limited space... Uh, limited real estate that was that was a nice to have but I don't know I, I like the native apps I'm still kind of a sucker for the native apps now, I can't believe ICQ is still a thing that's <laughs> the first thing I noticed when I went to that website yeah. <laughs> ICQ is still alive this has this has 34 chat systems in it and you know which one I don't see that upsets me already which one Mastodon. Well, Mastodon is pretty new, though. Well, yeah, but boy, it's taken off like like a rocket. I I'm I am hearing about Mastodon every day from from one source or another. Everyone is into this thing. It's it's really going to be putting Twitter uh, up for a fight. You think? Uh, I don't know. It seems so confusing when I saw it. So I kind of just ignored it. I, I'm still I'm still confused by it. I still can't figure out how how to identify good communities to be on. And even though it's a federated service, it seems like if you try to log into another Mastodyne, you still need to create an account on that Mastodyne. So I'm like, if it's a federated service, I should be able to create an account on one node and be able to log into any node that acknowledges that federated relationship. Well, it doesn't so, share your email, though. That's the key, is that you get a federated ID number, but that ID number only ties to your login credentials for your instance that you signed up for. So mm. if you want to use multiple instances, you have to have that same ID number on multiple accounts. Mm. But I I, I'm, I'm interested in I'm going to play with it this weekend. You said you were going to set up a server, so... Uh, yeah, I, I wanna... I, I'll do that for you. If you want to do a... If you want to... See what it's like to manage a node, spin up a node, and manage it. And you know, if huh. we get some traction behind it, I'll be I'll be fine with that. Yeah, and we can we can advertise our node on our new PHP Ugly subreddit. That's what? right, we do have a what? subreddit. I I think this is a good idea, Thomas. I, I I do. I you know we have one of these shows where people like to contribute, and I'm definitely down for people. And people can always Twitter me, which is really how a lot of people either find me on Slack or tweet me. But having a subreddit, I think it gives us an opportunity to share links, people contribute links. Uh, I like the idea. It, it, it'll be cool to see if people use it or if it's just us, but I think it's a good, uh, good approach. Good job. 
Yeah, I, as soon as I created it, I got a message that the community had been banned for violating Reddit's uh, community policies. So see, see, we have a reputation. Yeah, see, somehow. See the PHP ugly come ban them. Somehow ban PHP them. ugly was already on the uh, on the shit Black list. list. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I, I got in contact with a Reddit admin and got everything sorted out. So we will have uh, this show and the the links from this show in the subreddit, and I think that's going to be cool. Well, why are you the only moderator? Because I told you guys I created the subreddit, and neither of you said anything about it that was helpful. Neither of you said, hey, oh sign me God. up for that, or Such how do I get to it? Baby, I'm already subs- I'm already subscribed. I just got it set about? up today. But I'm already subscribed. <sighs> I would visit it, but I don't have enough internet bandwidth to go to it right now. That's hey, it. Hey, why didn't actually I just tried to go to it. It says it's not there. Is it not slash R slash PHP ugly? Yeah, it is. It is. It all all it says is there's nothing to show right now. Yeah. Oh, we don't, we don't, we don't have any here. There will be yeah, when we release the episode. Alright, I'm yeah. subscribed. I'm Shokum. I'm there. Alright. Alright, cool. Hey, so, good before job, we Thomas. moved on, you, you, kind of, you kind of transitioned to that Reddit one. That was a good transition. But I, I did want to back up to Mastodon a little bit. Do you guys remember what was that open source Twitter clone that ran for years and i thought for sure it would eventually take off and never did do you any of you guys remember what that was google wave and, and, no no this was an op- it was strictly open source this was an open source and it was it was flat out a twitter twitter clone it was god i can't remember what it's called and it's gone now i don't think it's even maintained anymore i i've uh, seen people complaining about Mastodon being just another one of those, like, flavor of the month or year. Oh, man, if anybody can remember, and I, I think it was, I think, again, they, they call it a micro-blog. Uh, if anybody can remember what that old open-source micro-blog is, post it to our Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> you could be the first post. The, the, yeah. There was a. You just said uh, there's going to be something there before the episode's released. I might have lied. <laughs> it, it was called. You know what? It was called. I want to say it was called. Was it status? No, not status. Stasis? Stasis? Because uh, it, it, it changed names. Like like a company bought it or, or a company invested. I forget. I forget it all. Fire I, I don't feed. remember. No, it wasn't Firefeed. It wasn't Firefeed. All okay, right, spending too much time, we on. Spend too much time on. on this. The other cool thing I shared with you guys this week was a possible PHP Ugly sticker. I didn't get a lot of feedback on it. How'd you guys feel about it? I love it. Oh I yeah, like it. yeah. All right, then I, I think I think we have some PHP stickers. I'm going to go ahead and order order some for the conferences we're going to. So if you're if you're attending Do you decide to stick with the all caps or the the other one? Laricon this year and you come across John or myself, um we'll have some PHP ugly stickers on us. Bye Eric. Give us an ugly look and we'll give you a sticker. And if you tuned into the show because we handed you an uh, a PHP ugly sticker and you're not sure why, it's because we looked at you and so, looks like Eric has, uh, unfortunately... Abandoned us. Abandoned us. So... Yeah. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else do we have on the list to talk about? Oh, the Laravel front Looks like a presets. lot of Laravel stuff. Yeah, a lot of Laravel stuff. Um, Taylor announced now that, that Laravel has... A command that lets you switch between preset front ends. So that that includes uh, React, Vue, Bootstrap, uh, or just no front end scaffolding whatsoever. Now, when I, you say switch between them, you can't do that. No, no. Just this like is this is sort of a code. It's yeah. Choose your component at runtime issue. Um, 
You know what I wonder? I wonder if I wonder if Eric is just talking to himself and doesn't know yet. That would be hilarious. That'd be funny. Can't wait. <laughs> so is this like trying to keep the the libraries out of the code base until you decide to use them? No, because five point four ships with view as the default. So I mean I don't I don't understand this because he removed the HTML helper stuff when he went to 5.0 and so you had to go to the laravel collective and get the html helpers from there um this is this seems like adding front end that you should just put in manually i through like bower or something like that yeah i this just this seems like trying to get back to the front end I mean, from from the image that I'm seeing, it's artisan preset React, and it's installing the React scaffolding. So maybe it's not only installing the libraries, but putting other stuff in there for you to be able to use. Yeah, but shouldn't that be a, little, a package? A more easily? I mean, right now, yeah. Fabian Potentier is writing series of articles about getting away from this kind of thing with Symfony. Mm-hmm. And that having modular functionality building what you want from from base components when you start a project this seems unnecessary yeah but again i'm going back to the fact that it's saying scaffolding yeah it it's not just the libraries itself it's there's something else in there i just haven't read the article to know enough about it well and and we know that Taylor's focus is the the artisan community, the sort of solo developer and rapid rollout of of projects. I, I I remember hearing him talking at Laricon basically saying, "Yeah, this is a framework for one guy or a couple guys working on something together, and if you want to strip stuff out, you can." But I mean, the reason that Spark was created was to save everyone else the pain of having to write that same thing from scratch every single time. Mm-hmm. Which I think we get to take advantage of here soon for a project coming up. Looking really? forward to that. Yeah. Well, hopefully we're trying to convince one of our clients that is using WordPress in a completely butchered way to let us rewrite it. And we would start with spark is he using WordPress as a store? No, it's even worse than that. It's, it's so bad. It's a multi-site WordPress install. And it's really just butchered WordPress. I don't know what they were trying, who convinced them to go this route. And we took it over and have hated many a minute. (laughs) many an hour trying to get it working, but they finally went, uh, they finally launched their live site a couple months ago and we're still working with them. So they don't hate us, which is a good thing. So now you guys do a lot of Laravel development. Diego dev does a ton of Laravel development. Mm -hmm. Have you looked into becoming an officially, certified laravel developer yes we have as a matter of fact um not certified laravel developer uh we've looked into the laravel partner program and actually it just looks like a it's almost like a pay to be in their directory type of thing They're, yeah that's what i taylor's was wondering. Being a, yeah i mean i think taylor's being a lot more protective of it and he's vetting who gets on there it's not like you could just pay and be on there but you can pay and he will say let me come check you out and make sure you are can do what you say you can do okay so there's there's no chance that we'd ever actually show up on there (laughs) he sees it's not it's not cheap either um forget Eric I was, looked into it more than I did. See, I was wondering about that, because this is like a full-page ad for Vehicle and Titan Company, and yeah, it, it, I didn't imagine that this they was going to be They were the first... 
Yeah, they were the first two to be accepted, I think, is how yeah. it worked out. They, they were also the first two to actually know about it as well. Probably. But I, I think, didn't Taylor make a big deal of the fact that he went out to those companies to know more about yeah, them? Yeah, the, these are companies that have financially supported Laravel in the past and have been doing Laravel development for a while now. Um, and he's met the founders of the companies and and yeah he he's i mean it's it's vetted for sure and i i think yeah. i've seen vehicles uh, vehicle and titan have both been sponsors for laricon uh several years going back hmm. yeah so i don't know where where eric saw pricing so maybe he saw something that he thought was pricing for the partner program i'm not sure but what what he did see, it wasn't cheap. Yeah, but so. but advertising. I mean, luckily we're in a position right now where we don't need new clients. But uh, that's it's definitely crazy. something to think about for now. We'll yeah, you know, and and I know that there is a certification process in the works. So not not just the partner program, but there is a Laravel certified developers thing coming mm-hmm. at some point. So we'll we'll see what that uh, turns into. I'm I'm excited about it. I can't. I'd love to get a Laravel certification. Yeah, I would definitely look into it myself. I I kind of want to become a PHP certified developer, but I don't even know why. I don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just to validate myself. I, don't I, know. I I would it would PHP still upsets me every once in a while in a way that it shouldn't, but. Uh, I had to do something where I was fetching results from an API and then I had to shuffle them up because it was always the same result set in the same order. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the command for that is still just shuffle, not array shuffle. And it still, it still doesn't return a, an array. It modifies the original it, it, that you pass in. Yep. And I mean, I, I ran into it today after forgetting that that's the case, and I just sort of went, "What the fuck? This is <laughs> this is from PHP three. Why is this not totally dead? Are we so afraid of breaking backwards compatibility? I mean, we wouldn't even have to. You could just call it ARR array or array <laughs> shuffle and do the do it the correct way, but that does not exist. I'm sure that when they did it, they were worried about memory. If you take, if you're returning a completely duplicate array, that could be very memory intensive. Right, so. but now there's there's no way to get multiple shuffled sets of an array. You'd have to clone it and then do it, and it's just, I, I was really surprised because I'm running well, bleeding edge. I'm running seven point one. And I was just surprised mm-hmm. that, yeah, it's still the ancient version that still sucks. Yeah, but, I mean, cloning is not that big of a deal. I got a question for you. what's happening when you call a oh. function anyway. No, no, keep going. No, I was saying that's basically what happens when you call a function anyway. It clones the data. Yeah. So, I, I have a good one for you. Have you ever been working What's on up? a on a library or a package or a project, and then all of a sudden it just gets made completely obsolete by somebody else? Uh, it has happened, but I can't remember when. I it's I read like... a, a very sad Google Groups message today. So you know what Phantom JS is? I um. Is that the driver for headless JavaScript? Yeah, it's 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 headless HTML rendering and JavaScript execution so that you can mm-hmm. basically do headless integration testing. Right. And that's what I thought it was. Yeah, and it's it's been quite popular. Um but we've got uh We've got a message today that the maintainer, the sole maintainer, uh, Vitaly Slobodin, is 
dropping out of developing Phantom JS. Because Google has announced headless Chrome. Hmm. So this is Chrome that renders everything exactly the same. It just doesn't draw it on the screen. Which makes perfect sense. It's just take that piece out. <clears throat> but still, people, one, the backwards compatibility, people that are used to it, that's a pain in the ass. And why drop out of the race right now just because Google's going to do it? Well, he he I'm does back. say, welcome back, Eric. We're talking about headless Chrome. Yeah, I hear that, yeah. The interesting thing about this story Jeez. is... Um, he comes back and I it's his podcast all over again. I guess let's, so. My, let's be clear about my. something. Be clear about something. It's always my podcast. You understand? Are we are we on the same now? <laughs> you broke up there, so we had no clue what you said. <laughs> we missed exactly what you said. <laughs> Damn it. That was so hardcore when I said it, too. I said, let's be clear. It's always my podcast. Oh, yeah. But now, now it's not as, a, now it's not as uh, intimidating because I had to repeat myself. Probably wasn't intimidating in the first place. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Interesting story. A side note to the story. When um, Taylor was developing Laravel Dusk, uh, he was looking initially at implementing JS to manage all the uh, browser behavior and uh, ended up moving away from it because he, he said it was getting, the code was getting too messy. He wasn't happy with what he was seeing and he, and he went to another direction. So sounds like he made a pretty damn good decision not to leverage JS. Well, I don't know though because I mean, if he had leveraged Phantom JS, then it would have ten, at least ten, new developers willing to take up the the reins. The mantle. Yeah, but from from what I've read in this thread, basically everyone says, "Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. We'll miss the project. Thanks for everything you did up till now, but Google's going to take it from here." <laughs> Which I mean, <laughs> when when Google steps in and says, "Hey, you know that thing you're working on?" Uh, we actually were releasing our uh, non-beta version of that today. Then you sort of have to step aside and say, well, just remember me when you guys get big again. <laughs> <laughs> so is it live? Is it available? Uh, it isn't live in its, in its major release, but uh, you can get the headless version yeah, from I'd... Nightly's and stuff like that. I see. Interesting. But yeah, you know, huge, huge thank out to Vitali for the work that he did and and bringing it up to this state, really pushing, pushing uh, integration testing as far as it has so far. So yeah, now I, now I'm all excited to try this <laughs> at some point. You haven't used Dusk yet. I have not. I love it. I, I've I've run Selenium in the past, and writing for Selenium is such a hassle. Writing for Dusk is mm. so nice. I mean, if I, if I was going to have to do integration testing on a non-Laravel project, I would spin up a Dusk project and just run it through Dusk. Now, have you used um, Codeception? Is it anything like that? Uh, I used Codeception a little bit. And it's not quite like that. It also it, it can wait on events on the page in a way that I think Codeception you had to tell it to sleep for X amount of time and then check again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's it's head and shoulders above what I've used in the past. I really got to check that out, and now you have me wanting to again because I for, I always forget about spinning up a just a Laravel Dusk app to do the that testing. Right, because it doesn't have to be integrated to your Laravel application at all. Right, it just becomes a separate testing kind of framework, right? Right. Like I, like I was saying before, I, I mean, you can actually use this for monitoring if you wanted to be creative. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've, we talked about in the past how a guy was, was fetching his bank updates through Dusk. 
So this should be an interesting show for you to edit, Thomas. I'm curious about what. Uh, I'm curious about yeah. what came out. What's going to come out of Zencaster? Because I I never closed my browser on Zencaster, even though it threw up a big banner saying "unable to communicate to server." So I, I just kept it running while, while I did everything and tried to keep everything running. Yeah, it and should then, still work fine then. Yeah, except uh, except for the fact you keep coming back and bringing the show to a halt. <laughs> <laughs> Only because you're so broken up, at least on our end. So that's funny. Yeah, I think having you turn the video off was was uh, a bad call because now I can't tell if you've frozen or if you're just waiting for someone else to carry the torch. I'm here and I'm <laughs> waiting. Somebody, somebody carry the torch. This this so this is John's this is John's article right here. Yeah. And I threw it in here just as as filler. It it's a funny story to me. Uh do you hear on the on any of your social platforms today about Burger King's new commercial that they released? I heard a lot of people are upset. Yeah, I mean, it's a stupid 15-second commercial where this kid is saying how it's only 15 seconds and he 15 seconds and he doesn't have time to tell you about it and then he says okay google tell me about the new big mac and then the commercial ends so and so then they, I, heard, I just heard your phone to get... try to tell you about the new big mac you just said something. I didn't <laughs> oh you're right <laughs> i think your gain that's on your hilarious. mic is still a little too high so you, you want to know that's one of the more frustrating things about this story when i saw them talk about it on the news and i saw it a couple of times on the news Every time they showed it, they would cut to an Alexa and, 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 show, and show Alexa. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is what they did. And they, he would say this, and then, boom, and then they, they showed the Alexa. I'm like, wait, no. Did completely different uh, product there. Same concept. I see where you're going with that. But, no, different product. My, my problem with this is that it's invasive past the point that an advertisement is supposed to be invasive. We, we have set personal acceptable limits for advertisements in our life that was google google's exact point was was that that they overstepped the boundary of of how the product was supposed to be used and overstepped the boundary of decent advertising like yeah yeah i I wouldn't be surprised if if google used youtube or or any of their other platforms to punish burger king in some way because i if this was done nefariously it, it could have been worse and i the one question is shouldn't google home be aware of this kind of problem and have a, a handle for it um yeah but but that's that would be so hard to to monitor until they get to voice recognition where they know the difference between my voice and my wife's voice, you know. Well, but there is there is voice recognition that can do uh, audio string analysis, so it can tell that it's this ad. Um, yeah, and and if if this was a TV ad, I assume this wasn't a TV ad. Was it YouTube? Yeah, no, it was a TV. I, I ad. think. Oh, was it TV? See, if it's I, a TV ad, TV. if it's a TV ad, that 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 means that Google Home in let's say a couple thousand households all made the same query at the same time google should have said that is clearly not a valid query kill it before it actually produces a response that's a good idea you're smart you should work for google ah <laughs> uh, it's it's the content that keeps me here <laughs> So yeah, you're right, Eric. It is a TV ad. Yeah, so that's that's even worse on Google's part. Is that Google should be able to recognize the same command executing simultaneously in thousands of households as being malicious. Nobody watches TV at the same time anymore. Oh yeah, that's true. It's all DVR. Well, but then you're skipping the ads, so you wouldn't have seen it. There you go. Uh, so yeah, I, I thought it was interesting, so I thought I'd share it. No, I dig it. I, I think 
I think they're assholes for doing this, and the person in marketing should have made a college humor video about it instead of actually being an asshole. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, if it wasn't Burger King, it was going to be somebody. Somebody was going to do this eventually, or it was going to be a TV show, or somebody was going it, It's It's a creative way of engaging with the people you're trying to engage with. It's just kind of sleazy, but it's hard to see that when you're the company, when you're Burger King saying, how can we act like, you know, how can we be more, engage more with our consumers? It's hard to see how sleazy that is, but you're right. Yeah, there, there, needs to, there needs to be a safety, a safety needs to be developed because this is only going to become more and more uh, popular with, I mean, the, the devices are going to become more popular and then this method is going to become more popular until some sort of safety can be put in place. So what we need to do is we need to find out who the executive who thought of this is and then follow him around and say, okay, Google, set an alarm for 5 a.m. <laughs> Harass him with his own brilliant tactic. So we discussed April Fools last week. I think we we sort of unanimously stated that we don't like April Fools pranks Correct. and stuff. Correct. Um and and it seems like the people at Reddit are of the same mind generally speaking. They don't want to just do a prank on people. They want to explore, they want to create something that explores communication and interaction. So this year, uh, it wasn't a novel idea. This had sort of been done before, but they did it in a way that honestly surprised me. So they created a blank canvas. Uh, it was a 1,000 tile by 1,000 tile canvas that every five minutes a user could color a pixel on this canvas. Uh, they called it Place, Our Place. And there was no restriction to where you could color in. Uh, there was also no restriction on automating coloring in things. So they published an API when they published the, the Canvas program and said, yeah, if you guys want to write your own bots to draw pictures, uh, you can have a full-on bot war if you want to. And it was cool. It was really, really, really popular. I never engaged in it. I didn't care in the slightest bit. But I was really surprised because they released a complete breakdown of how they built this system and built it to scale for hundreds of thousands of users per second all the way down to interactive graphs that show activity over time request rates response times their infrastructure for how they manage the data just a stunning amount of information about how they executed this and and how they rendered it too uh, pixels that were close together being represented by uh, mixing the colors together to create a 16-bit color instead of a, uh, an 8-bit color, which you were given to draw with. Just a crazy, crazy stuff. So you each person can only draw color in one pixel every five minutes? Is that what you said? Right. So one pixel every five minutes. Now, the goal here was that no one person could excessively influence the the canvas. Uh, previous attempts at a similar sort of public canvas had problems with people writing a bot and then the bot just destroyed the entire canvas at once or destroyed large portions of it at once. Um, but this was written for the purpose of people to get together and work on stuff, uh, work on a a cohesive picture out of the efforts of many people and sort of by the, by the nature of subreddits and how subreddits work, these micro communities 
decided, hey, this is our plot of land and we're going to draw our art and design on it and we're going to keep it. We're going to maintain it. So here's, you know, if you're an active user, here's your grid to draw on. And every five minutes you have to make sure that this pixel stays here. And if it's not, then you've got to color it the right color. So, so you could change the existing pixels. Yeah, there was no rule on which one you could or couldn't draw on. You could draw on someone else's, no problem. Um, huh. But because you could only draw one pixel every every five minutes, which there's actually there were changes in the rules as the project went along. But yeah, generally speaking, every five minutes. And the communities that came together out of this really managed amazing stuff. I pieces of art that just dominate the canvas, uh, detailed logos, really, it's it's impressive seeing a community sort of spawn and then evolve over a one-week period. Hmm. Very interesting. So yeah, we'll, we'll have this link for sure, but it, it goes into the designing of their Cassandra database, which is, I believe, Apache's uh, big data system. It, it is, yep. Um, they talk about the APIs and the hit rates. Uh, one of the funny things they talk about is that towards the end, they've got hundreds or thousands of bots uh, frequently hitting the API, and they killed the API but these bots were developed by people who didn't care about how frequently they tried to retry requests. So all of a sudden, after they killed the API, they got a huge jump in requests because everyone was retrying over and over and over. Um, they talk about integrating the mobile app support, uh, what, what they got wrong, um, thinking they thought that their network utilization was going to be the problem. Um, but it ended up being CPU usage on WebSockets. Uh, you know, hundreds of large servers getting crispy. Uh, they, they talk about yeah. using RabbitMQ for their queuing system, which I was surprised. Um, I, I would have thought they'd have some really expensive off-the-shelf software, but RabbitMQ is open source and available. Uh, and then the amount of money they had to spend in bandwidth on that. I think they've got deals on bandwidth. Yeah, I'm sure, but, but yeah, I mean, still gigantic. It's, it's an investment. And this is, this is the second year that they've done something I can remember last year. They did the button and the button was a, just a button you kept pressing until the last person pressed it. And then it died. Weird social experiment stuff, but yeah, they get all the way they get all the way from the back end how they laid out their their big data matrix uh, all the way to the front end and how they rendered it in Canvas and how they used Canvas to do dithering animation, uh, camera panning and zooming. You know, is really really an in depth write up. I mean, some of it I understand. Some of it's just not what I do. And seeing this wider range of uh, skills being put to practice, is, it's pretty interesting. Very. I'm, I'm just I'm amazed by everything that's in here right now. As <laughs> I'm trying to just kind of scroll through it. It is not the right time to look at it. It is dense. It, it, there is a lot more than you think you could fit on it because some communities work together to share space so that one logo would overlap another and they wouldn't just be crapping on each other's work. They would work together to make a seamless integration. Hmm. So it's yeah, it's really impressive. Uh, impressive work by the developers and by the community. I've been very uh very upset as we've gone through this. I haven't heard much doom and gloom. Yeah, you know, I feel bad. I actually I swear to god I went I went looking on Reddit for specifically for doom and gloom articles. I got nothing. I mean there's the the political stuff. But 
then it's just then I'm just the Colbert show. <laughs> I've got one story. Oh, don't get me started. I've got one story that's supposed to be doom and gloom ish, but it's really just funny. Why um, is that? Well, someone hacked the Dallas emergency siren system and set off all of the uh, <laughs> all of the tornado and other you know disaster warnings at once. So Dallas, <laughs> Dallas being in natural disaster country has a network of very, very powerful sirens to notify everyone that there's danger in the area. And uh, at 11.42 p.m., all of them went off. Uh, 100 wow. 156 emergency sirens for 90 minutes. I would... I would... Nah, can't go that strong. I'd be pissed though. You I have yeah, sleep because of that. You have a baby. Yeah. It would uh it would just but still hilarious. Doesn't end until one seventeen AM. Right. And it affects one point six million people all at once. Wow. So <laughs> and and it's even worse because it's like a car alarm. The the alarm has a cycle. It has a ninety second cycle, and then it stops for a little bit, and then it starts up again. <laughs> so it ran through it ran through fifteen cycles before it got shut down. And there was an update that there are new security measures in the system to prevent this from ever happening again. But oh my god, <laughs> it's just. I, uh, could you imagine that like your job is security on the siren system and 1.6 million people are mad at you this morning and you didn't you didn't get a good night's sleep <laughs> they didn't get a I good know, night's sleep i want to know i want to know how the hack happened like what did they tap into how did it, how did it get started like I, was it a virus that infected like a computer well, at in their network, or I would be more curious to find out what they sit there and said. Oh, yeah, security measures have been put in place so that this doesn't happen again. Yeah, but have they validated that they can actually use the system again if needed? It's like, what if the security measure actually prevents it from being used the way it was intended to be used? Because you know they put a security measure in place that. I'm, and they forgot to they forgot to allow themselves to set it off or something. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> now, you know what the next step is? Is you gotta hack all of these sirens to say, Okay, Google, tell me about the whopper. <laughs> that would be that would actually be awesome. <laughs> no. Okay, Google, tell me about Diego Dev. Yeah. Stop my phone's <laughs> <laughs> Turn your phone off. <laughs> uh, I mean, this, this is this is the whole OK Google, OK Alexa thing is is SQL injection all over again. It's like you know, people people trying SQL injection just to see what where they can get it uh, to fire. I, I think we need to name the show title a SQL injection just to see if we take down any of the services that use us, but. Or, or or we need to name the uh, make the title, turn off your your Google device well, if you're listening to us. But you guys, you guys use if this then that, right? Mm-hmm. Every yeah. day, religiously. So as the Internet of Things becomes a bigger and bigger deal, without specific voice recognition, if it doesn't know that it's me or you, then you could have someone yell through your window, "Okay, Google, turn the lights off." Or okay, mm-hmm. Google, set the washing machine on fire. It doesn't work like that. Actually, <laughs> the, the machine won't just do anything you tell it to do, Thomas. Your okay, washing I machine just, would have to have the ability to go on fire. I just rewatched Hackers, and absolutely, that's how it works. So you're right, and but we shouldn't focus on the okay, Google, okay, Alexa stuff. The whole Internet of Things security model 
we're getting we're getting to that critical mass where it has to be addressed. It was it's the same thing with personal PCs back in the late nineties where everybody's like, Oh yeah, let me take a PC. Oh the internet's a thing now. Let's all plug this into a network and nobody thought about the overarching security of all these devices and and we learned in a very rude and you know unpleasant way how bad it could be. We're we're going through that cycle again with these Internet of Things devices where it's like, okay, check this out. You just hit this button and it orders you, you know, Tide. But everybody's, you know, when they do that, they're like, oh, we don't have to worry about security. There's nothing, there's nothing that can be compromised here. It's just a button they press and it sends out a request. And it's that thinking that's going to, it's going to allow the machines to, to rise up and overtake us because... <laughs> It's just these devices are getting smaller. The the security, when it was a PC, it was easy. You told everybody, get antivirus, get a firewall, put it on your PC, and be done with it. But with these Internet of Things devices, it won't be that simple. And people are going to end up with these major vulnerabilities in their house and no way to protect themselves. Well, not just vulnerabilities yeah. in their house, but their house will be a vector for attacking other people as well. Uh, all the biggest viruses right now are using Internet of Things devices and inherent security holes to launch attack vectors against other sites. So speaking of IoT, I actually I've been researching security systems for a few weeks now. Well, yeah, you tweeted something. Why. You tweeted let, something let that guess. said that yeah. you had a bad IoT day. Yeah. Eric, go ahead. What are you trying to say? I was going to say, let me guess, you've been researching it ever since, I don't know, your laptop got stolen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I decided to go with the Samsung Smart Things after all the re- research I did. Um, it It's very extensible, lots of different uh, add-ons for it. So I get at least just the base system, try to get it set up, see if I like it before I go and purchase all the additional modules for it, right? Uh, the one I got came with two door sensors, a motion sensor, and uh, an outlet so I could control a light or something if I wanted to. No laptop sensor, though? No laptop sensor. (laughs) But no line. I go to set it up, and their servers are down, so I can't add the sensors to my system. Oh, gosh. Yeah, this is what we're I, talking about, right? We we buy these things and we're completely dependent on these external services to always be there, to be always be accessible. Um, so it turns out their their version one of the Samsung Smart Things, they you had to connect to their servers for everything. If their servers were offline, basically your security system was hosed. The version two, it looks like you have to connect to their servers just to add these modules to your hub. But after that, it's supposed to work without internet connection. So, well, we'll see. I'm not sure if I'm going to keep it or not. You, you remember back in the networking days when you guys were learning your computer beginnings, there was, there was LAN, WAN, and there was something called PAN. Do you guys remember Pan at all? I do not remember Pan. No. Pan was personal area network. So we're, we're used to our security profiles in this day and age being defined as local or external. So is it on the network locally or is it on the network outside of my home? We, mm-hmm. we need to get back to the Pan network, which is a secure network within your Personal within your personal network, within your local network, so something that's that's off the line of everything else. I mean, I, right now I'm recording my video from my IP cameras to a remote system. If someone cuts my net connection, all my stuff goes down. Mm-hmm. Or or if someone manages to get into my router, then my my Wi-Fi connected light bulbs can be shut off over the internet, which they advertise as a feature, but it's not a feature. It's a vulnerability. Yeah. But can they set your washer on fire? Well, he said he bought the Samsung security package, and it wasn't the washer, though. They Samsung had, unfortunately, exploding dryers uh, two months ago. 
and then phones, and then uh, factory. But they'll recover. Hey, they'll bounce back. <laughs> Identica. Identica was the name I was trying to think oh of God. earlier. Do do we remember Identica? No. It's I was yeah I was sounds familiar. all yeah I was all ready to completely give up Twitter. This was very early on in Twitter. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I was into open source, and like, Identica came out. I'm like, oh yeah, this is it. This is what I'm doing. I, I'm I'm not never going to end up using Twitter. I'm just going to use Identica. Yeah, that didn't last. Okay, that's all I have to offer. Now, now I'll drop offline. <laughs> well, we're uh, wrapping up anyway. Yeah, I'm glad you at least made it to the end of the show. Yeah, I'm on mobile now, so th- this should be an interesting, uh, interesting bill. See what see what happens. It it sounds like you're coming through at a at a crisp 12k per second, so I don't think it'll be that bad. All right, guys, uh, I'm gonna call it. This has been uh, episode. Oh, wait a minute, you're calling it? Yeah, you you, you stopped me. This is <laughs> I'm my so podcast. Confused right now. This is my. I call the podcast. Are you done? I'm done. You can call it. <laughs> Are you going to call it? Wow. This has been episode... This has been ugly. This has been episode 57, 58... 57. 57. Why does it say, say show notes? Why, why does it say number 58 show notes on the Trello board? See, you're sabotaging me. That's what's going on. What? <laughs> does it really say 58? It, it does say it does say fifty eight. Who, who said? Who said? I just changed it to fifty seven. I don't. I don't even know who set that I up. Did, I did not set it up. I didn't so set it up. Fifty seven for me. That's fifty seven for me. All right, guys. This has been episode fifty seven of PHP Ugly. I'm Tom Rideout. I'm John Congo. I'm Winnie X. <laughs> leaving comment. Can't really say my name. But I'll say something, Eric Van Townsend. What? Keep it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly. And a special thanks to our sponsor, Diego Dev Group. If you are looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then you want to reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Links and show notes from this episode of PHP Ugly can be found at www.phpugly.com. You can follow our hosts on Twitter. You can also follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at PHP Ugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Play Podcast, or SoundCloud. If you like what you hear, then please leave us a rating on iTunes. Until next week, keep it ugly.